Yeah, we won't spin. Don't want to do too much of Cofield since he's not with us today. We don't know where he's at, actually, but it is Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas, at Treasure Island Sportsbook, Willie Ramirez, and the illustrious Adam Hill as we bring in the three-day weekend in style, doing it up strong. we got a big show ahead of us. A lot of good guests, a lot of topics to hit. Adam and I got you covered. Let's get to it. All right. We have no big three. I thought we had a three or something. Didn't we? Uh, I, I make the same mistake. Oh, okay. I don't think we have it. It's it's Ari blew it for us or what? I think it's the old thing we used to do. We don't really do it anymore. Oh, okay. That part. Starting today. All right. Cool. Well, we do have the three, and it starts with the A. The A, the B, the C. The A's, Adam, have offered up renderings of the Tropicana Stadium site. I guess my question is, are they really for real? Uh, there's a lot of question marks. There's a Twitter thread out there that I found entertaining when, uh, actually, our guy Steve, he sent it over to me, Steve Cofield, um, to, to check out. Uh, your thoughts? I looked at them, laughed, and moved on with my day. <laughs> if that if that matters. I mean, I would love to, I actually do want to see the Twitter thread. Are people? Are there people out there breaking it down? Like some of the mistakes and yeah. some of the problems with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll mention a couple. First of all, uh, I understand. I'll start from the very beginning. These are not renderings of a stadium. This is not. I, I saw people kind of going into the details and the intri- intricacies. This is not what the stadium is going to look like. First of all, it looks like the Coliseum a little bit. Uh, there's some cool. I mean, it looks it looks cool. The backdrop looks cool. All those things are great. To me, and I could be wrong, and I'm sure if the A's are listening or paying attention, they'll tell us that we're wrong. I, I don't think I am. Um, there was a lot of criticism of the fact that nobody has seen any renderings. That they're about to have a stadium deal on the on the table. They're about to you know discuss it in the legislature. They're about to go over the finer points of it and decide if they're going to vote for it or not and invest all of this public money into the stadium. And nobody's even seen what it's going to look like. In fact, they don't even have it confirmed where it is. You know, there's reports out there yesterday the A's were looking at new sites. So nobody even knows where it's going to be for sure. Nobody knows if it's going to pass. Nobody knows what it's going to look like. Nobody knows the final points of what, what the property is even going to look like. And so this looks to me, and look, it's fancy, it's fine. But it looks to me like yesterday morning, somebody said, hey, who can draw what this stadium could potentially look like? Let's put it out. And they did. And I know the immediate response was a lot of mocking and you know, laughing, and that's what it was for me too, for sure. Um, but like, the bottom line is, yeah, it would be very cool to have a stadium there. Like, I don't think anybody's surprised by that. And when you, when you look at it and say, man, you could be looking out over the, over the wall in left field and see New York, New York, and over the wall in right field and see the MGM Grand and, and center field out in the distance, you can see the Aria and City Center and uh, all these other cool buildings. That looks awesome. It does. It's cool. You'll have that New York, New York roller coaster going around right outside the, the left field, left center field wall all the time. That's cool. Like, all those things are cool. But this is not what the actual stadium renderings are going to look like. First of all, as one of my friends pointed out, who just loves to, you know, find the, find the most ridiculous part of things, we know the Oakland Coliseum has a lot of foul territory. But stadiums don't do that anymore. Right. And it's also going to be a very small property. There's no chance 
they're going to have the amount of foul territory at this stadium that they have in this rendering. There's no way. So, like, that, first of all, is one of the first things. That, like, I know it's a very small detail, but that's just not going to happen. And there's very few, like, unique characteristics to the stadium. We're like, hey, if it's Vegas, you would think there'd be all these cool Vegas things. Well, not only that, but the very first thing that I noticed is, where's the roof? Well, I don't even see retracting. They're showing it, this yeah, they're, they're showing it like that, that half snow globe. It they're, is. They're showing it open so that you can see what it'll look like, and then it will close like a globe. I, I imagine what's going to do, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, you see the where the, where the roof would be. They're kind of they're making it see through so that you can, you know, see what the the outfield is going to look like when I it's open. I didn't take it like that. I just took it like it was going to be half, almost like I guess it's kind of like um, Rogers, right? Rogers, uh, the yeah. But I think the point is to show you what it's going to look like when you know when it's open and when you can when you can see it that way. Um, but again, I, I just t- I I want to say this is not a proposal for what it's going to look like. This is not architectural renderings. This is just somebody's drawing. Of what a stadium could look like there, or as somebody put on Twitter, Photoshop. Yeah, they that's just it. dropped it in there. They they removed the Tropicana, dropped it in there. Well, not really, because they also, I mean, the most ridiculous thing, and it was obviously the first tweet, first tweet I sent out this morning. Like, if if they are proposing that a new stadium is going to completely fix the traffic issues at Trop and Las Vegas Boulevard, because there's no traffic, there's like six cars. Yes. If they're proposing that it's going to fix the traffic, then pass that bill today. Yeah, let's get a stadium on all intersections. Immediately. Yeah, let's, get, let's get a bunch of them out there if, if that's that, going to resolve the issues. If this rendering is suggesting that's what the traffic patterns will look like at Trop and Las Vegas Boulevard as a result of this stadium, I am all in. Let's go. All right, we're going to continue to talk about this. Also, uh, you had sent over stadium bill, first draft release. I had, I saw this move earlier uh, from Nevada Independent. They've been all over it. Uh, still so many questions. I hadn't opened it. Did anything stand out to you with the bill? Uh, no, it's kind of what's been reported over the last couple of days. If you're not paying attention, um, I get it, and I, I, I envy you. I don't really want to be paying attention to it either, but um, you know, some of the transferable tax credits are how the state would be financing this. Again, don't be fooled by the language. It's public money. That's what it is. It's it's public money paying for this. I know they're calling it transferable tax credits and all these other things, and they have to do that uh, for a couple reasons. One, because if it's not, if it's considered new tax money, then they would have to put it to a two-thirds vote in the legislature, and it will never have any chance of passing. So they call it other things so that they don't have to do that. But it's public money. Um, and the, the money, again, as we've said many times, is not the biggest issue. It's not the money. It's... It's where do the where is the construction or where is the improvements coming from? Where are the overruns coming from? Which in this case is the A's, which is good. Um, how, what is going to be handled with all the extra money? If they, you know, if we're saying, hey, look, you're going to be generating, you know, fifty million, whatever the number is from this tax district to pay this back. What if it's ten times that? Are you keeping that? So are you profiting even more off of what we're like the money that we're investing, or should that go back to the state? Like those are the kind of questions that I think need to be answered and are kind of laid out, but not really in plain English in the bill. Um, and then also, of course, you are claiming that the, you, that you're contributing a billion dollars of this 1.5 or 1 point, excuse me, 1.5 billion. So now 1.4 billion, excuse me, sorry, 
1.1 billion that you're contributing and th- you know 390 million that we're contributing where are you getting that number yeah if that's if you're paying 1.1 billion toward the stadium that you're laying out i'm interested i want to hear this but if you're saying it's 1.5 billion and 400 million is from us 175 million is from the improvement zone that valley's going to kick in uh, another what 300 million in land that valley's is kicking in when all of a sudden your contribution as the a's is like 250 million that's different that's different so stop saying it's 1.5 billion if it's not 1.5 billion to the stadium that's misleading and i think people shouldn't understand that and know that and we want those answers i'm not suggesting that that's what it is that's the answers that we want so there's a lot more answers that are to be laid out but the most interesting part of the stadium bill by far and look it was expected but now it's here in in, in writing how many times are the a's mentioned in that bill zero mm. How many times is the Tropicana site mentioned in that bill? Zero. So neither the site nor the team are specified in that bill, which means if they decide to move the site, they can still you know use this. Which I don't like that. Um, also, if they decide to you know get rid of the A's and make it a different team, uh, they probably wouldn't need to have a new bill, a new bill to make this go. Which I kind of do like that. If they could, if they would you know push push the A's out at the last minute and say we're getting our own team. Uh, but we're still building the stadium. That'd be great. But, yeah, I think the fact that the A's nor the site are mentioned in that entire bill is very, very telling. Lots of talk on the Las Vegas A's. Also, if you hadn't heard, we are going to touch upon it in the next hour. Uh, interestingly, with all these question marks, except uh, Commissioner Manfred, he's already said when the vote could take place on the Athletics' move to Las Vegas. Interesting. We'll, uh, we'll touch upon that later in this hour. We're going to talk to Caleb Herring. We're going to talk a little UNLV football. We're going to talk Raiders. Adam and I were both out at first media availability of OTAs. But coming up next, Adam and I are going to break down the Vegas Golden Knights losing game four in Dallas. The series moves back to T-Mobile for game five tomorrow night. It's Adam. It's Willie. we got Mateo on the left. Quarterback and things in the studio is Ari Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas from Treasure Island. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. or at ESPN Las Vegas. Sounds of Dan Duva last night on the call. Joe Pavelski, Peter DeBoer, overtime, and a win. Seems to be have a familiar theme from several years back. Willie Ramirez, Adam Hill, we are at Treasure Island, Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas, our Friday hot spot. Come on down and join us. So, Adam, the Golden Knights, they lose in overtime. Um, Stars were the better team and deserved the win, as you pointed out. Yeah, I think for the second game in the series, though, and the better team doesn't always win. God, people get so mad about that, too. Yeah, They get so mad about it, Um, but it's just players talk about it all the time. The Knights... Nope, to a man. Said they played awful in game two. Didn't deserve to win, and they won. And sometimes you just got to take that. Uh, last night, Dallas, I thought, was the better team pretty much throughout. Uh, they did have to take advantage of two power plays and, and get their goals that way, including one in overtime. But uh, they did it, and they did enough. I thought they uh, were pretty relentless uh, in, a, in a lot of the game, five on five, and trying to uh, trying to scrap their way and fight and stay in the game. But, um, yeah, they, they found a way to win and extend the series, and now – you know, it shouldn't be panic time for the Knights. It obviously is not. They're down. You know, they're still three to one. They still have two games at home. Um, 
but I don't think you want to extend this too far. Uh, so I think, and, and I also don't think you want to give them confidence. I mean, one of the things that they were able to take advantage of a little bit earlier in the series is that Jake Ottinger was one of the best goaltenders in the entire league had struggled throughout the playoffs and they didn't let yeah. him get any confidence early in the series. And now after getting pulled in game three, looked pretty good last night, looked rejuvenated, looked refreshed. I mean, I know he's played, what is it like almost 400 minutes more than any other goaltender in the league this season. Yeah. Um, so he probably, you know, there's probably some fatigue there, especially for a young player who hasn't played this many uh, minutes throughout his career uh, in, in any season. Like, it's probably wearing down on him, but he looked a lot better last night. And if he uses that to get some confidence and go forward, there's, you know, there's there's could be some potential wins out there. If you know, at some point, like the the Golden Knights are doing a great job of you know playing well in front of Aiden Hill and limiting what he has to do, but he still made a lot of great great saves. I mean, I think that diminishes how good he's been uh, since he came in. But are you worried that at some point he has a game where he's not a star, where he doesn't play very well? Does he give up? A game, you know, game five, game six, somewhere along the line, does he struggle and, and you know, do they lose a game because he's not his sharpest? Perhaps. So, I, you know, you, I don't think you want to panic. I don't think you want to start, you know, freaking out about it at all. Uh, but I do feel like uh, <laughs> we can start early here. <laughs> Did people hear that? Did you hear that through your headset? Okay. Uh, somebody's having a good time and. Well, everybody has a good time at Treasure Island. It's free parking, right? Sportsbook's got the, the and uh, got all the TVs, and then of course there's the bar and the kiosk. So yeah, uh, let me ask you this. I think he was doing the thing where you you're sitting in a bar chair and you lean back to try to watch one of the TVs, and he went too far back. It looked like he uh, fell pretty hard. Yeah, but he's. But he, I also he, like I also like the move that everybody does when they do that. And he's like blaming the chair. He's like, look at yeah, the, oh, looking what's at going the, chair. the leg, yeah, yeah. man. Look, yeah, pick it up, look like, at bro, it, and everything. But here's the thing: it looks like he's bounced back, and he's not going to be in concussion protocol. Um, he might be. Who, I also think he has a San Diego State shirt on. So, uh, <laughs> well, then I would explain <laughs> yeah. it. Do you think that? Because I, I, I saw some, I saw some reaction on Twitter. This was the worst game the Golden Knights have played. So on, so. On. I, Anybody I, watch Game One I, against the against Winnipeg? Yeah, and I also think they that Game Two against game. Dallas. Oh, they they played worse than yeah. they did last night. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. They were awful in game two. Yeah. Uh, game one against Winnipeg, they were awful. Game two against Edmonton? Horrible. They were awful. They got trounced. They were terrible in that so, game. As far as this series, I think that their worst performance was game two. They were, I mean, the first 55 minutes, they were, in a sense, non-existent and needed that and goal. That, and that's a good, by the way, if you're a fan and you're like, what do you mean they haven't played? Like, they're, they're, they've gotten this far. Yes, of course they have. And look, one of the things that you have to do to win a title is to find ways to win when you don't play well. And they've done that. There's been a couple of Consistently. spots. Game yeah. two, they didn't play well. They were the worst team on the ice. They, they, were, they were not the best team on the ice. They were not as good as Dallas, and they found a way to win. And sometimes you have to do that to make a run. And, and that's, what, you know, that's what championship teams do. So don't take it as some criticism of your team. If you're a Knights fan, we're saying they didn't play well. They found ways to win despite not playing well. That's a good thing. So Jack Eichel, six goals in the playoffs. He's yet to score one through four games. It could either be a cause for a concern or it could be the do theory coming home, game five. They wrap it up because that place tomorrow night, as you and I both know, we've been covering this team since day one, since before they had a game. You were, as a matter of fact, not to bring it up, but, I mean, you were at the exhibition games, including the October 1 game. We know what that arena can be like, especially in this situation. When they're ahead, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
So tomorrow night, Jack Eichel score. Is it a cause for concern? Does he need no, to score? I don't think. I don't think. It, I don't think it has to look. You you mentioned he hasn't scored in this series, and I've gone in four games from thinking, you know what, he should probably win the Smythe if they win the title, to yeah, he definitely should win the Smythe if they win the title, and that's without scoring a goal. He's been that good. He's been that good defensively. Uh, he's been so active, so involved. Mm-hmm. And we talk about game two where they didn't play well. He decided at some point late in that game when they were behind that they were not going to lose. And he had like four really, really good shifts in a row where he got involved on the forecheck. He was forcing turnovers. He was creating chances. And, yes, he didn't score. But in that game, I mean, was there anybody more impactful than that pass that he put to the front of the net for Marshall Stowe to score it? That was the most impactful play of the game. It's not the goal. It's the setup. And he forced the turnover and then got the puck back and then then hit that pass. So he's done a lot to be involved in these games and to help them win without actually scoring goals. He's He's been, to me, almost more impressive in this series than he was last series when he was scoring all the time. You mentioned Marchessault. If he continues to score and do things and being effective when he's on the ice – does he deserve a look for the Smythe if they were to win the title? Yeah, potentially. And I, I think anytime you have stats, um, if you're the leading goal scorer, it's going to be up there. And, and anytime you're a goaltender uh, that's having the kind of run that Aiden Hill has, although he didn't play throughout the whole playoffs, obviously he was a, a replacement. But his numbers would justify consideration as well. But I feel a couple of things. First of all, I do feel like there is a name factor involved which would take Aiden Hill out of the consideration probably unless he gets, like, two shutouts in the in the final. Uh, Eichel, I feel like the narrative is, hey, this is his coming out party. He's never been in the playoffs before. He, he languished away as a superstar, one of the best players in the league on a terrible team in Buffalo, coming back from injury and all those things. Uh, I think that's going to help his cause. Um, and I also think while Marcus has scored the goals, like, to me it's not debatable who's been the most impactful player, and that's, right. and that's Jack Eichel. Yeah. And so I think – you know, mostly I'll, I'll have I'll I'll say I'll express some faith in the voters that they would look at more than just statistics when they make the decision. Last year, when they let Pete DeBoer go, one of the topics that came up was special teams. Dallas right now is ranked fifth in the playoffs, but of the three remaining teams, number one with its power play, thirty-two percent penalty kill. Vegas second worst. The worst of the remaining teams, 61.4%. Special teams a problem for you? Uh, they were last night. I'll say, I'll say no because you're right. It was two out of two last night. Obviously, uh, two of their three goals come on the power play, and there was only two penalties on the night, and Stars took advantage of both. And early in the playoffs, they were certainly a problem too. But I, 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 would, I would say that the Knights have been you know, in, in, infinitely better you know, over the last five or six games until last night than they were last night. And, you know, I, I know Bruce Cassidy explained how both those goals happened today. He said, not overly concerned about it, but it's got to be better. And he also pointed out kind of what you're saying. It's not just a penalty kill, which has been fairly bad. It's that you can overcome poor penalty killing if you convert on your own penalties. Right. And so not only do you allow them to score on their opportunities, you don't score on your own. That's where you start getting into some trouble. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's probably the one place – because mostly five-on-five, five, they've been the better team in almost every game this whole playoff. Uh, so I think that's one place where you'd look at it and say, if there's a concern, uh, and if we're not talking about just Dallas, we're talking about what happens when they play Florida, concerns would be special teams and the fact that you know Florida's goaltender playing out of his mind, Bobrovsky, but he also is going to have 
a long period of time off, especially if the Knights lose tomorrow. So maybe he cools off a little bit. Yeah, that's. I, I was wondering about that. If you know, if the, if if Dallas was to pull off another win, the long because the the hot goaltending hand, you want to keep them on ice. Not to mention Matthew Kachuk, right? I mean, having that those hot hands, this could be a situation where the longer they're waiting, it could be worse for Florida, depending on which team or either one of these teams. Yeah, I think in an ideal world, as crazy as it is, the Knights lose tomorrow and finish it out Monday. Because that would push the start of the final from Wednesday to next Saturday, right. which would mean the Panthers would be off well over a week yeah. by the time they play again. And, and like we said, they've been so hot. Uh, you let them cool off a little bit and then have to come out on the road to Las Vegas to open things up. So I think that's an ideal world. Not that the Knights should you know, throw the game or tank or anything like that to make that happen. But I think just if you were to lay it on paper, ideally the Knights go six, win in game six, and then have a shorter rest. Not – a short rest, but they have, you know, about a perfect amount of time to rest up and get ready for the final while the Panthers will probably have time to cool off and not be at this at the same peak. And, of course, that would send Adam on the road because he would be leaving to, you, to join you, the RJ cover. If you want to see panic, <laughs> get eyes in the press box in the third period if the game is tied. Oh, my gosh. I won't even be there tomorrow. If the game, You'll be at the Aces, I'm sure. Yeah. If, if the game is tied or... Like the stars are up by one, maybe. Yeah. It's just going to be panic. Yeah, panic, panic for me because I, I, I would be booking a flight for probably like five a.m. to try to get to a Dallas practice on Sunday morning in Dallas. You and Ben Goats, and I'd have to do it late night tomorrow. Book it for a few hours later, and then you know write all the post game. Not, I'm not complaining about this. I'm just pointing out. Then do all the post game coverage, and then race home, pack, and then go right to the airport. But I still have to book the flight and a hotel and car and all that stuff. Puck drop tomorrow is at 5. Make sure you tune. 520, that's for sure. It says 5. 5, 518 probably. Uh, Fox Sports, 1340, also 98.9 FM. Dan Duva, Gary Lawless. Make sure you check him out. Of course, Ryan the Hockey Guy on your pregame and in between periods of postgame coverage. We are at Treasure Island. Before you even do that, I'm going to say one thing about the the Knights. Yes. Darren Millard, our good friend from the Knights, might have said the nicest thing. I've ever heard anybody say about me today. Uh-oh. Well, what did he say? He said, and I hope he's listening because I hope he knows I appreciate this. He said, you know, if you got murdered, I would wear a tribute shirt. Are you kind of hoping that you might get murdered? No, but I mean, that's a nice thing to say to somebody, isn't yeah, it? Sure. Absolutely. That if I, if I were to get murdered, mm-hmm. Dar- that means Darren would have to get a shirt made. Made, yeah. And wear it like, hey, we you know we remember. It is, that is very nice. That, that I was blown away by how nice that was. I don't think I'd get a tribute shirt for anybody if they were murdered. Not even a family member. No. No, that's a very nice. That's just a nice human being right there. We're gonna have this. May we may carry this to an awesome guest. This story. All right, we're down at Treasure Island, Cofield and Company. Uh, ESPN Las Vegas. Get down here. TI Beer Specials. The next week they run Sunday through Thursday only. Bucket, $5 domestic beers, $35. Bucket of four import beers, 35 Right in the heart of Las Vegas Strip. Get down here. Eat, drink, party, Memorial Day weekend. Free parking. Adam, Willie, Mateo, Ari, Treasure Island, Coalfield Company, ESPN. We're back. Cofield and Company will be right back. Keep it here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. 
They value our opinions here. You know, as a player, I feel like a lot of places I've gone, it's you're told to do things a certain way, and you and you do those things. And um, but here, it's like they they ask a lot of questions. They want to know what you're thinking. Why? What would you like to do more? And uh, so to offer input is a really cool thing uh, because you know, coaches and players got to be in partnership. We're all together and shouldn't be clashing with each other. It's all we're all going the same direction. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. That is former Raider, Kelsey Plum's husband, uh, Darren Waller. Darren Plum. Darren Plum. Now we're gonna we're just gonna go officially. Shots fired. Yeah, definitely shots fired. Now, here's the thing. He said many places I've I've gone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> even if he meant multiple, I'm I'm guessing that he didn't mean the previous regime. It's just this regime. Yeah, I think so. Most definitely. Once again, it's. <laughs> Willie Ramirez, Adam Hill, Cofield and Company. We are at Treasure Island, ESPN Las Vegas. So Raiders OTAs are underway. First media availability was yesterday. Storyline obviously was Josh McDaniels addressing Devontae Adams' interview at the Ringer. Your colleague Vinny Bonsignor asked the first question I followed up with. Isn't that sort of good to have open dialogue this early? this early on in the year and then we later asked Devonte about it um josh says Devonte has earned the right to express his opinion you have the right to express your opinion on this adam i do um i'm also just just completely sidetracked because I, I just got an email because i wrote about the the new uh direct tv not not direct tv youtube tv taking over sunday ticket yes uh, is that the Sunday's call? No, that, it was a couple weeks ago. It was like three weeks ago. Oh. Maybe even a month ago. Yeah, I, I read and Somebody that. said, I cut out that article. I saved it. I'm trying to I'm trying to call and sign up for it. How do I do it? Like, it's an app. Like, you, this, no this is going to be the issue. And I, I, it's, I'm, I'm sidetracking the conversation for a moment because this is what I was worried about with so many people just not even understanding how to get a, a streaming service on their TV. There's there's people over, what is the age, fifty five? Did you did you purposely think how old's Willie? Let me di- add one. Are you fifty four? <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, maybe it's older than that. I don't know. I get it. That are just going to be like, what? How do I get? How do I do this? How yeah. do I watch? Yeah. How do I watch? You know this? what? You are dead spot on because it I literally t- takes thirty seconds to sign up for it. Right. I, I I get it. I told my mom not too long ago that I was going to get rid of. One sir, the 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 long-standing service that I've had, right? The original service back would before it was this. It's, it was Prime Cable, awesome. so on and so forth. But I was going to awesome. get Hulu, and she said, like, "Oh, I've been thinking about the same thing." Now, how do I go about doing that? This, it, here's the thing: I'll I'll joke about it and say I won't, but I will, of course. The lady also left me a number to call her and help and help walk her through the process. I will. I will. I'll do it. But but there, you. It, once here's the thing, what, it'll be one of those things where you'll get to the second step, and she'll be like, "Oh, this is so easy. Okay, thanks. It won't even take that long." My guess is that some people don't have the capability on their TV to have apps. Uh, that could be. Do you think? That, do you think that so she still has to get up to change the channel? Very sad at some point when I tell her she has to go get a new TV. Oh, but you don't. I mean, you can obviously just go get a very simple like a Roku or a Chromecast or something along those lines, but try explaining that to somebody. 
Yeah, try to imagine if you're having to get into HDMI and, and different. It's be like, what? Who? This I just is, plug it in great. and I get up and change the channel. I don't even have a remote. Should we? Oh, man. This is where the show spirals when Steve's not here. But if I were, and there's probably some rules. But Steve's gone. It's our show. I know, but there's probably some rules that we can't do this. Oh, boy. Can we just call her on the air and try to walk her through it on the air? God, I was thinking, I swear to you, when you first said about, you said she left a number, I thought that's where you were originally going to go. Ari's laughing his ass off right now. Can we, can we just, can we, we just call her? Do we need to call her, Ari? Do we need to get her on for, at some point during the show? What is, let me find her name. I'm sure it's Edith or I'm Gertrude okay with it. or something. Is her last name Bunker? Oh, my God. Oh, Lord, here we go. All right, let's so go. I was joking that obviously I was just saying old lady names, Edith and sorry if your name's Edith or Gertrude, just like uh, standard old white lady names. Mildred, Joan, that's her name. That's, okay. that's her name. You just offended all of our Joan listeners, or, or Joan, any, or any any. I'm not saying your last name, Joan. I, I will, I will also say I'm doing this on the air, off the air. I'm sure you're a lovely, lovely person, and I will absolutely call and help you through this. Yeah, she genuinely needs she genuinely needs help, but it's it's just a matter of it's not Joan; it's in general the number of people that. But are also, need why? Help to because be I wrote this. the story that you that Sunday ticket is going to YouTube TV. I'm the one that you that helps yeah. you sign up for you're it. The customer service. I'm just telling you where it is. I'm no. not. Well, I'm not a. I'm not a technician. You took it upon yourself to write about it. You are now the customer service expert. So if anybody else out there needs help. Email Adam. All right, listen, Devontae didn't he didn't backtrack yesterday. He said How is Joan gonna watch the games that Devontae's playing in? Well they're probably on local. We're gonna call her in a little bit. Uh so yes, Josh yesterday said that he had the right to Devontae had the right to express his opinion. Now here's the thing. I also heard some people ridiculing Devontae. It was funny because they were ridiculing him. You ready for this out there? Ridiculing him for saying that we, as the media as a whole, took things out of context, but then left it at that because they basically took that comment out of context and didn't take in consideration that he later on said, yes, I talked about Aaron Rodgers for however long after the season and teased you guys and kept putting stuff out there. Why wouldn't I want Aaron Rodgers? He, he came out and owned it. He said that that's what was on his mind. Yeah, I, think the, I think the biggest takeaway from what Devontae Adams said yesterday was, I'm not backtracking from what I said. I'm not taking it back. I stand by it. I right. believe in it. But that doesn't mean – because I think what he was more mad about was, oh, he doesn't see eye-to-eye with how the organization is approaching this offseason. He wants to be traded. And he never said that. No. He said he doesn't see eye-to-eye and left it. And everybody else jumped to whatever they wanted to jump to with he's unhappy. And he's saying, look, I said it. I have to live with the fact that I said it and that I made it public. And I feel like I have earned, and Josh McDaniel said the same thing, I've earned through my career and how I've played the right to express my opinions. And he said, but the, for, as for whether or not I love Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and I want to be a part of this organization and I want to stay here in Las Vegas, never said any of those things, which is very true and very accurate. And I also had an issue, not, with, not necessarily with the story, but I do think the story with the quote in particular about not seeing eye to eye with the organization left a lot to be desired in the context of the article. My first question was, what was the question that got him to say that? Like what question was he responding to where he didn't say that? Was it about specifically signing Garoppolo? Was it about the fact that it looks like they're building for the future instead of building to try to win right now? What exactly was asked 
that got him to say I didn't see eye to eye. So I did have an issue with that in terms of how it was presented, and I think he was fair to to kind of point that part of it out. Uh, but in, in general, I think he was very good, very thoughtful, and, and didn't back down from what he said. He just tried to explain why he feels the way he does. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co or at ESPN Las Vegas. The Kels brothers, Travis and Jason, talking about the new, one of the new rules uh, that were brought into fruition, the kickoff rule. Willie Ramirez, Adam Hill. Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. We are at Treasure Island like we are every single Friday. Welcoming to the show, former UNLV quarterback and, of course, part of the broadcast team, Caleb Herring. How are you, Caleb? I am fantastic. A little warm, but fantastic. Wow. How are you guys doing? Fantastic is pretty strong. It is strong. And you're just I, you know, I'm trying to live a live a positive life, you know? Like a fantastic okay. if I, the mindset is everything, right? Like... If I tell myself I'm fantastic, even though I might just be meh, okay. you know, then I land on good. You know, then, then I'm having a good day. So I'm going to stick with fantastic for now. So when could, you say even, even if you're meh, you mean like M-E-H, meh? Yeah, yeah like meh. Like, you know, the, that's what all the kids that's are saying now. Sure. I'm yeah, trying to fit yeah, in. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that, that you would say mid, I think. You're feeling mid. I feel mid is – you know what? My niece hit me with a mid, and I felt old because I had no idea what she was talking about. She's like, that's mid. And I'm like, what? Like, middle of what? Like, I'm not it's, trying to be – It's kind of like, like – I don't know. I just felt ancient right there. I was like, okay, it's, I'm past my prime. It's time to start being – Yeah, you're, you're clearly an old man, no question about it. Uh, but you are feeling fantastic, so that's good. Uh, the burger done, knowing, right? And my, my niece reminded me of that by telling me that something was mid. Yeah, uh, you're you're clearly feeling fantastic. So we'll we'll try to change that with some uh, negative stuff. We heard we heard a little about the kickoff rule. For those that haven't heard it, uh, teams in the NFL can now fair catch anywhere on the field, and it's moved out to the 25 yard line. We've seen this in college, so you you see it regularly uh, as somebody who calls games for UNLV, of course, uh, here. So you've seen this rule in place. I didn't think it'd go to the NFL. I have heard nothing but negativity on this rule, including. Uh, from, as we just heard, Travis Kelsey, from Andy Reid, who called it basically one step toward flag football. Nobody's happy about this. I think it's pretty stupid, too. Where do you stand? I agree it's pretty stupid, but in, in the sense that you basically just just say just do what you want to do and just remove kickoff from the game completely. Yeah. I think it's kind of silly to have this kind of, uh, this this I guess, false display of what a kickoff is supposed to be. Um, when you just go out there for an, it's, it's, it's a wasted time period. I mean, maybe an extended timeout gets the people some rest. I have no idea what the point of doing a kickoff is anymore at this, at this point. You've taken all the potential excitement out of it. Um, and now I guess the strategy becomes how do you coax a kickoff return team into actually trying to return it when you know full well that you're going to lose yardage basically anytime you <laughs> actually try to return one of these kicks. You're, you're losing probably five yards every on every drive offensively just to try to get a kickoff return. So what do you squib kick every time so that the ball dribbles up to the return man? I mean, that's that's probably what you would have to do to get a return guy to, at this point, not get fined for trying to run the thing back because every yeah. team's going to say, just fair catch it and bring it out well, to 25. The, the analytics of the game say the return game is irrelevant, at least for kickoffs at this point. So I think what the NFL should do if they really want to eliminate the play, just come out and say it. We don't think this play is necessary. 
We think the safety risks involved are 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 not worth the risk of the big play. So we're just not going to do it anymore. Every after every touchdown or extra point, we're just going to start the next drive on the 25, almost like overtime. Just start the next drive at the 25 yard line, and and we'll go from there. Well, there is a big reason they can't do that. Uh, but I, I I agree with you. That's what they're trying to do. But they're trying to do one step at a time, just eliminate the steps. So. The reason they can't, obviously, is because of onside kicks that teams are allowed to try to get possession. So they want to pass that rule that the XFL had where you can go for it on 4th and 15 instead of trying an onside kick. But there doesn't seem to be the appetite to do it. So they're trying to make the kick so irrelevant that then they will do that to make that happen. Like, I don't know why you're trying to go in steps. Just do it, as you said. right? I mean, what, why are we playing around with games here? Yeah, and I, I feel like the way around the onside kick thing is like, hey – declare an onside kick i like that that seems to be like the next step like if you want to do an onside kick first of all the onside kick is under attack as well like there's some yeah, rules I regulating know. the contact and physicality of that play in itself but at, at some point they're just gonna say hey, if you want to do an onside kick declare it before the kickoff like that's a decision you make on the sideline everybody knows it's coming and then you do an onside kick you have the chance to get it yeah but usually that's a situational thing where you know people obviously need to get another possession towards the end of a game or end of a half and they'll go for the onside kick so just make them declare that and then okay yeah after your pat you can go ahead and try an onside kick but outside of that i just it's frustrating as a fan i don't want to say i'm a traditionalist because it's not as as heavy as the baseball side where, where there's people that are just being irrational about the traditions and not want to let go but at this point it seems like you're just being goaded along for no reason just skip the steps get to the point you don't want kickoffs, so be it we can live with that but don't give us this watered-down version of it and expect us to be excited about watching 20 fair catches per game. Like, it's it's ridiculous. I'm also open, and it's Caleb Herring. Of course, you can uh, hear him on the UNLV broadcast, hear him each week with us as well, uh, former UNLV Rebel. Uh, it's the whole, the, thing, the whole thing's crazy for sure. Um, I, I don't know. I feel I feel like it's it's something that players don't want, and it's silly, but here's here's the part. Like I am all for safety, like, and I think I think you've expressed you know some, uh, you know some some optimism that we can get it safer as well, and like I feel like safety is a very important thing, and I'm all for whatever makes the player safer, but I don't really trust the NFL usually, and when I hear things like, hey, the data backs this up, we have all this data suggesting that the all these injuries happen on the kickoffs, and my response, and I asked Josh McDaniels this yesterday, is that's awesome, can we see that? Like, where, where is this data that we can see? And then if you show us it and say, look, here's how many injuries are happening on the kickoffs. Here's how many concussions. This is out of control. This is dangerous. I think we can all sit back and say, oh, man, that is dangerous. Why have the kickoffs? Let's get rid of them and find something better. But why doesn't anybody just show us that? I think there's, there's a lot of times the word data and trust the data gets thrown out. Um, and especially in recent times, I won't you know get too into that. But th- where there's there's been cause now not to really trust when people just throw data out without actually having the data in hand, right? So I, I, I I'm not going to say that the data doesn't exist, but if the data is the basis for your argument, I think you should have to like bring it to the table at least yes, yes. and let us in on it. I trust us with the data. Trust us with the data. Can we can we see it too? Um, that's one of those things. And I, there's there's safety is absolutely paramount, but there's some things that were invented that cannot be made safer. Right. There's there's yeah. sports even there's there's hobbies that just if they're if they're going to exist, they're going to be dangerous and they're going to have to have a certain risk involved with them. I mean, th- there's no speed limits in NASCAR or Formula One. And we know how how dangerous those sports can be like fatal when it comes to crashes and incidents that happen that aren't supposed to happen. But they do happen as a part of their sports. 
nobody's clamoring for you know the curves at the Indy 500 to be you know less steep or, or to, for there to be speed limits or, or anything like that. I mean, obviously, you're going to do what you can to make the car safer and to make it as safe as possible. But at the end of the day, the car's got to go 200 miles an hour. Like that, that's a part of it. At the end of the day, the NFL is going to be violent. I'm, there's no way around it. If you don't want to take part in it, if you're disgusted by it, if you don't think it's safe enough for you or for your kids to participate in, that's fine. Nobody's going to judge you harshly for that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a violent sport. There's risk associated with playing physical sports, especially one as physical as football, by its nature. Football is designed to be a physically, uh, I'd say, dangerous sport. Um, and there's risk with that. You can't eliminate it completely without ruining the game. And that's just that's that's an example. That's something that I can't do anything about. Um, but these are attempts to try to do that. And I don't think it's working. I think you're just watering down football. I don't know that this move will necessarily take away viewership. Right. I don't think people are going to stop watching the NFL because there's no. no kickoffs. I think if you just remove the kickoffs completely, people would be fine with that. I think it's more so the tedious redundancy of having to constantly. It's already annoying watching kickers kick it out of the back of the end zone. That already seemed like a pointless exercise to me. Like guys running down for exercise, just getting a, a hundred yard sprint in, knowing their kicker's gonna boom it out of the back of the end zone. That was strange to me as well. But this just makes the rules say that this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to eliminate his play. I just, I feel like it should just be eliminated altogether if that's the goal. Uh, we don't want to eliminate you altogether. We are, we only have a minute left though. And I want to ask this, every time I look, there's a new recruit coming to UNLV. The portal is wide open. They are doing great. Uh, looks like from the outside in football, is this a reason to be excited? It is. I think they're addressing some uh, concerns, obviously, with the transfer portal, um, landing a couple of names that I think will immediately contribute for this next season. Will Thomas comes to mind. Offensive lineman, a huge guy, 6'7", 305 pounds. Uh, so he's he's a big addition immediately. There's also some 2024 uh, recruits that are getting landed um, that, that are going to have an impact down the stroke. So UNLV is going to be an exciting team to watch. Anticipation is there. Hopefully they, they deliver when it comes fall time. But, yeah, people should definitely in the Valley be excited about what UNLV football is doing.